Hi, this is Bob Gruen, rock and roll photographer from New York, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, Martin Popoff back again for another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are part of the vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, this is episode 101. Um, we're, uh, we're now working on the next 100. Uh, thanks for everybody who contributed. We, we had, uh, you know, some nice co Ko-Fi, uh, donations come in, um, for the, the milestone 100. Now here we are working on the next one. Um, you know, that was a pretty long episode. I don't know how long this one's going to come out, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, episode 101, I'm calling this not underrated and I'll tell you how this came about. Um, I can't believe I haven't done a show on this rant about the idea of underrated and overrated. Um, I get in a lot of trouble when I talk about underrated and overrated for some reason, but, um, how this came about are the inspiration for this episode. We've got our YouTube show, The Contrarians, and we've got uh, a Patreon situation there. And we had a Patreon show with the, with the people involved. Uh, and we had a really good crowd of super smart people. And we had a topic for it. And that was name one underrated band and kind of defend why they're underrated. Uh, so that's fine. We all went through that. Uh, but then, you know, you put up a show on YouTube and, you, and the comments start coming in. Uh, and, and, you know, people started naming tons and tons of tons of different bands and I just felt like arguing with everybody somewhat saying no they're not underrated or you know whatever they're overrated they're so so there's there's every level you can imagine every sort of response to these but this specific show that we're going to do today is about this idea I could have named this show uh, awesome rated low but not underrated um something like that. So, so the idea here, but you know, I, I kind of keep these titles short, um, you know, because they, they look better short, I suppose. Um, but, uh, and that is definitely getting too unwieldy, but we are about this one exact, uh, more specific topic where these are bands. I adore to death, just love these bands. Some of these are my favorite bands of all time. Um, but, um, and, and they are bands that come up all the time. Uh, and, and I've seen the, I've seen people bring them up and I do want to argue with them. So these are bands I love and people say they are bands that are underrated, but here's sort of the idea of having the cool head, uh, you know, kind of being sober about it and measured and reasonable the same way when, when people say a lot of these bands that we would love to see in the rock and roll hall of fame, you know, I, I always, you know, I'm, I, I tend to be the guy to say, I love those guys, but I don't think they're, you know, deserving of the hall of fame quite yet. Leave it a couple of years, blah, blah, blah. So it's that kind of thing. So these are bands I love. Um, and people call them underrated, but I really don't think they're underrated. And I'm, I'm going to argue why uh, as we go along here. And, you know, I, I want to bring up again a couple other caveats. Like, what does underrated even mean? So underrated can mean a couple of different things. I, I think specifically, actually, two different things. Um, if you're an underrated band... Um, you, you, number one, you're not a big commercial act. Like you haven't had a lot of success out there in the marketplace with a bunch of gold and platinum records. That's number one. But number two, you can still be a rated band or overrated band or highly rated band. 
uh, or reasonably rated band uh, and not have commercial success and and just kind of have the respect of uh, of your peers and deep music fans and things like that. You, you know, think about Motorhead or the Ramones or Thin Lizzy or whatever, right? Um, so there are these bands that I, I consider... Uh, are quite rated, rated okay, um, but they don't have gold and platinum records. They're, they they never got to be massive big bands or whatever, right? So so there's that kind of thing too. And and uh, you know not not to go off on a tangent, but I could probably do a whole show on the idea of overrated bands. And again, there are overrated bands that I think are awesome. And there are overrated bands that I don't like so much. So they're, you know, overrated for kind of the usual reason, right? I mean, one, one of the bands I think is awesome that you might, you might say is overrated is Led Zeppelin. Love Led Zeppelin to death, but they're rated so highly. You know, I, I, I can see it's a reasonable thing to think they might be a little overrated. So there you go. Um, so here we go. Let's uh, let's go through our five examples. Um, so these are bands that I think are not underrated. And, and I'll explain why. Um, but they come up all the time uh, in these discussions as, as considered underrated. Take a listen to our first selection. This is Budgie with Rape of the Locks. All right, so that's Budgie from their first album. Uh, came out on MCA June of 1971. You know, pretty darn early heavy album. The second album out in 72 is heavy too. They had another one in 73, another one in 74, 75, 76. Uh, skipped 77, put out Best of Budgie in 77, back in 78 with Impeccable. Um, so this is a band with a long history, a few more albums after that. We love them to death. You know, deep music fans love Budgie. They're great. They're this Welsh band. They're from Cardiff. They're a power trio. On this album, it's uh, it's Burke Shelley, Tony Borge, and Ray Phillips. Um, you know, kind of the the more or less classic lineup. Although Steve Williams, the drummer, takes over soon. But uh, but Burke and Ray are are kind of the classic lineup guys, right? Uh, you know, great heavy song. Um, you know, it's. Uh, it's uh, it's a bit of a shuffle. It's recorded well and performed well, um, but so people so Budgie comes up all the time in this idea of underrated bands. But when you look at the catalog, so obviously you so let let's go down let's go down down the disparaging comments of why they might uh, not be underrated. So uh, number one, you know they're not a huge commercial success, but their music was really pretty difficult and varied to get into. They had all these weird long song titles like hot as a docker's armpit and in the grip of the tire fitter's hand and blah 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 um you know um and uh, and these short songs and these long songs and these completely quiet mellow songs and these raging heavy songs and these proggy ones um and really complicated albums you know albums with not a lot of songs on them and and they're just jumping all over the place stylistically there's some funky stuff um, some, like I say, a little bit of proggy stuff, but they're, but they're kind of heavy early on and that's why we love them. Well, we love them for that variety as well, but 
you know, they're not singing typical love songs. They're they're very quirky uh, with with what they do lyrically. You've got a, a lead singer, you know, in Burke Shelley, who looks like Getty Lee, but he's even got glasses on. Um, so they kind of look like Rush a little bit. Um, but you know, especially Burke. Um, you know, I I think his voice is fine. I I don't typically see anybody complaining about his voice, but it's not exactly a rock star voice either. Um, and as you move through the catalog, you know, they're on MCA, they're on A and M, they're on. Uh, you know, later on, they're they're on a a, a smaller uh, a radioactive, right? That that sub sub label of RCA in the middle. Um, you know, they they never are in in a great situation. Um, they're they're changing uh, their style all the time. Like I say, you get up to Impeccable. Um, and that's probably my favorite Budgie album, and that's that's saying something kind of strange because most people will pick Bandolier. Um, but um, but I do like uh, kind of the the variety and the efficiency of that one. Um, but later on, you know, they they um, they do the gratuitous uh, new wave of British heavy metal album and Power Supply, so that sounds totally totally different from everything they've done before. Then they ratchet it back a little bit for Night Flight and Deliver Us from Evil. Um, you know, the, way later there's there's like a quote unquote budgie album. Well, I guess it is, but it's way way later called uh, what is it? Uh, You're all living in cuckoo land. Um, um, but again, even that shows some interesting depth of songwriting, but it's not big, accessible rock star songwriting. So um, so we can agree, I think, that this is a band that um, like, OK, so so here's the other thing that people always say with underrated and it goes together, but it's a debate how these things go together. The phrase that comes after that all the time is they're underrated. They should have been huge. So so with Budgie, I definitely, definitely feel like no, they shouldn't have been huge. They're not. They're not doing all the things that you need to do, kind of, to be huge. They're not playing the accessible commercial rock game. Not everybody has to do that, but Budgie is just is just too strange and too kind of all over and scattered and and maybe ticking off their fans a little bit as time goes on. I remember when If I Were Britannia came out, we were pretty ticked off at that album for for not being very heavy. Um, okay, let's move on. Um, so this is our second track, whole different reason here. This is Blue Oyster Cult with The Vigil. All right, so The Vigil and Black Blade are my two favorite Blue Oyster Cult songs of all time. This is from Mears, issued June 19th, 1979. It's their sixth album. We did an episode of Contrarians where, you know, I shocked everybody and picked Mears as my favorite Blue Oyster Cult album, and I'll stand by that to this day. Um, but the funny thing with this band is that they are also thrown into the, oh, Blue Oyster Cult is underrated thing. Now, number one, they they had a lot of success. They had a lot of gold and platinum albums. They did pretty good out there in the marketplace. They shouldn't complain, but the guys themselves actually do complain. And that's one of the funny, you know, kind of amusing, endearing things about these guys is they are kind of curmudgeonly about their career. They didn't think they did well enough out there in the world, but they certainly did. They got to be a big band. They were headlining for years and years and years. They had a lot of hits, you know, obviously Don't Fear the Reaper. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of hits along the 
the way burn it burn for you is big as well but very respected bands so so these guys are not even underrated commercially i don't think and they're definitely not underrated out there in the marketplace of ideas or culture or whatever. Um, this is not a band that is disparaged even by even by like casual music fans, but tons and tons of deep music fans. Everybody loves Blue Oyster Cult. I've never heard anybody not. I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say they don't like Blue Oyster Cult. But but even like I say, even even among casual music fans. They're not disparaged like a like a sticks or a kiss or a poison or you know you know go down the line. There's a lot of bands that are disliked out there in the world. Blue Oyster Cult is not one of them. So um, knock it off with this business. Blue Oyster Cult is underrated. I don't think they are underrated. I think they did well in the marketplace and um, and they are beloved by deep music fans who think about music and like music a lot. So there you go. Uh, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. All right, back again. History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 101, not underrated. Or like I say, awesome, rated low, but not underrated. Um, yeah, so um, I so yeah, I, I, I do uh, throw rated low in there, but um, I, I, guess, uh, I guess what I mean there, I guess I'm kind of stepping it because I just said Blue Oyster Cult is, is not particularly rated low, but, uh, but uh, I guess they're rated low because, uh, yeah, there we go. They're rated low because they do get brought up in this, uh, in this topic of, uh, of underrated bands. Um, one last thing I want to say about Blue Oyster Cult, I, I guess this is the other thing that uh, comes into it with some of these bands. With Blue Oyster Cult, um, they also are not playing the typical love song game, the typical melodies. They have interesting lyrics, even if they are love songs, you know, they, they will throw in some really good lines. These are some of the best lyrics out there. So when, when, um, when we talk about why wasn't Blue Oyster Cult bigger, and like I say, they were pretty big. One of the things I often usually say is they were just a little too sophisticated for the masses. They kind of go over everybody's head. Um, they just aren't typical enough or garden variety enough or completely fully accessible enough. They have some some cool sci-fi lyrics and conspiracy theory lyrics and biker lyrics and 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 they do a lot of really interesting things that that are uh, are just a little bit too uh, too musicy, too uh, too nerdy perhaps uh, for the mainstream. So, but but like I say, to put a nice spin on that, I think they just kind of go over everybody's head. Uh, and so there was a ceiling. There's a glass ceiling to how big they were going to be, and they should be happy with how they bump their heads, their 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 short, uh, not too high off the ground heads uh, on that glass ceiling. They did quite well for the kind of cool, provocative, quirky uh, music and variety of what they did on their albums um, to, uh, to get there. So there you go. Um, let's take a listen to our third selection. This is Max Webster with In Context of the Moon. Heart, context of the Moon. All right, Max Webster, May 16th, 1977. This is their second album, the great Kim Mitchell writing the music and Pai Dubois, one of my favorite lyricists. I mean, literally, 
I always say Captain Beefheart, Blue Oyster Cult, Max Webster, my favorite lyrics of all time. And I'll probably throw Clutch in there uh, too. Uh, but uh, anyways, um, so this is uh, off their second album. Good, kind of heavy, proggy song. Again, uh, I always hear this all the time. Max Webster, they're so underrated, and I will disagree. I don't think they're underrated. I think they kind of got as big as they were going to get. Um, very Canadian, uh, you know, a Canadian band, typically Canadian, and I think they have kind of a quirky quality um, that that meshes with that Canadianness that they weren't going to get uh, bigger than they got. They got pretty big in Canada. They had uh, mostly uh, everything they put out. It's something like six records, seven records, depending on how you count. There's a there's a um, there's a greatest hits in there, and there's a live album. Um, but uh, most of them went gold and platinum in Canada. Uh, you know, which is granted that's one tenth the levels of the states because it's exactly one tenth the population, 360 million versus three, uh, 300 or 36 million. States might be 336 or something like that, around 340. Anyways, we're, in Canada, we're, we're like around 37 million right now. Um, so, so all the levels are one tenth of the U.S. levels. Um, but um, you know they did have uh, they did have some great support in terms of all that supporting Rush on all those tours. So they had a chance to break. But again, it's a little bit like the Blue Oyster Cult story, right? Um, they're kind of writing a little bit too quirky and odd. Uh, so they have a certain um, a certain glass ceiling that they're not going to get above. And this is a band, and I've never understood it, but this is a band where people have um, said, you know, when I've turned them on to them, and uh, you know, they 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 love the variety of things they're getting with them. But I do hear sometimes, oh, I'm not crazy about Kim Mitchell's vocals. Um, so I do hear that from time to time. What a guitarist, though. He's one of my top three favorite guitarists of all time. You listen to the solos across these albums and his, and his Kim Mitchell catalog as well. That's another band that I might have might have put in here and discussed in a, in a certain uh, context. You know, slightly different career than the Max Webster career. But so Max Webster was proggy, pomp rock, heavy. Uh, they could be uh, they could definitely be poppy and keyboardy. Um, they can be Zappa-esque, so they're a little Captain Beefheart, a little Zappa. I always, I always say they're a combination of uh, of uh, Frank Zappa, Cheap Trick, and Blue Oyster Cult, um, and I feel they have a little bit of all those bands in them. So, you know, that's a great melange. If you've never heard of these guys, check them out. Um, really, really interesting band. They're my favorite Canadian band of all time, and they're one of, you know, I usually bring them up as one of my top five favorite bands of all time. And granted, that's because they didn't stick around long enough to screw up. Their last album was 1981, so they didn't have time to make all those lousy albums. Believe me, Kim Mitchell made some not great albums, uh, you know, in the in the mid to late 80s as well, 90s even. Um that I'm not crazy about, but uh, yeah, this is a situation. <laughs> One of these bands, like the Police and Soundgarden, where they they kept it to a tight range, and and you know everything turned out good. Uh, obviously, a Soundgarden uh, re re reformed later on. Um, but uh, but there you go. So I don't think these guys are particularly underrated. They dressed really funny. They looked funny. They they definitely did not look like rock stars. They're not they're not you know particularly a photogenic band, um, and uh, and very quirky. Um, you know had some great love. So I mean better love songs than standard accessible love songs because the lyrics are so awesome. Uh, they're they're literally better than than the the songs that would be massive. 
right? But again, uh, they're just too oddball and too nerdy and strange uh, to to make it so big. So it's it's part of their own doing that they weren't massive, but that's fine. They're amazing, amazing artists. Um, and so so yeah, I I would not call them underrated. Um, I think they're rated about as highly as they should be, which means pretty much anybody who's ever turned on to them who are deep music fans uh, really really like them. So as long as that love goes to Max Webster, you know I'm thinking they're not really particularly underrated. Uh, yeah, and people kind of know about them a, a little bit as well. Um, all right, uh, let's move on. Uh, totally different kind of band to what we've talked about so far. Take a listen to this. This is XTC with Love on a Farm Boy's Wages. All right, the great XTC, legendary awesome XTC. August 30th, 1983, this is the Mummer album. It is their sixth album. Oh, yeah, we had Blue Cult, sixth album. We got this one, sixth album. Um, so XTC, again, um, are they underrated? Uh, first of all, deep, deep music fans totally love XTC to death. They realize they're genius songwriters. Um, they're complicated. They're quirky. They've they've come up with so many interesting arrangements and ways to do pop and psych. They're deep, deep musicologists, made lots of records. But um, quite early in their career, Andy Partridge got stricken with stage fright and uh, he decided, I don't want to tour anymore. So, so they eventually, uh, or quite soon, became a non-touring act. So there's a reason that they didn't get bigger. Um, totally understandable reason. Um, but the other reason they didn't get bigger is, again, it's, it's music that just kind of goes over people's heads. It's just not accessible enough for the masses. Um, they're not big rock starry guys. They, you know, they even look kind of the definition of the meek and mild nerdy sort of band, you know, with glasses and short hair and funny clothes and all that and, and willing to make fun of themselves and dress up on their album covers and things like that. And very, very arty, right? So very artsy, artsy sort of band. So, you know, that, that in itself is something, uh, you know, people like their rock and roll, uh, you know, the masses like their rock and roll, not particularly too, too, too artsy. XDC is definitely very artsy. Um, but you know, you can just hear the gorgeousness of that song. I mean, they really do have a lot of songs, um, that, uh, that you think, uh, you know, I, I fantasize sometimes the idea that, you know, some of these great, great genius songwriters could have, if they put themselves out there more, had their songs covered by more massive, big, huge artists. XTC kind of fits that. I mean, they are generally pretty, pretty, um, innovative and strange songs, but I still think there are quite a few of them like this one, actually, uh, that could have been covered by a big, huge artist and, and been, you know, and had it, had a massive hit with it. Um, I think the crash test dummies covered, covered something, uh, of theirs and did pretty well with it. It might've been mayor of Simpleton. Not, not sure. Um, anyways, um, Great band, um, but they often come up in this, oh, they're so underrated thing. And and I just kind of have this feeling that they're they're not commercial enough to be 
underrated huge in that way in the money department um and they're not underrated with music fans music fans totally know xdc and they love them to death so they do get that deep respect uh over on that other side so the one duality they're actually rated highly and on the other duality they don't deserve to be rated any higher so there you go so that's uh again where i guess this idea is coming into shape as we have as we give these examples in there and they're all a little different from each other all right so our last selection here take a listen to this this is clutch with mercury All right, that's from Blast Tyrant, my favorite Clutch album, March 23rd, 2004. Uh, I love that this is two episodes in a row uh, that I've had Clutch in here. I had them in as as my top uh, top album of the 2010s uh, in the last episode, which was a Q&A episode where I went through a bunch of different uh, questions that everybody asked on Facebook, but uh, we got Clutch in there. And I, I do notice along the way, I, I often get asked over and over again, oh, do some stuff with it, put more Clutch into these episodes. Uh, so it's kind of cool that I got them in here twice. So, um, so I've got them in here. And uh, I don't think Clutch is underrated, uh, kind of for the same reasons as some of these other bands. You know, certainly uh, I think it fits in the XTC mold um, in that, um, you know, very, very different band, obviously. But I think I think there is a, a commercial ceiling to how big Clutch is going to be. Uh, big they're going to be because they're like they're like dad rock. They're like beard pulling music. They're a bunch of guys in beards playing this this complicated heavy metal blues music uh which is not the most accessible music in the world neil is a shouter um you know shouter and and you know deep sonorous bluesy singer love him to death love the band to death love the lyrics everything about them i just been, been playing so much clutch over the last 20 years um uh so so yeah great great band um but I think there is a ceiling on how big they really, really, really can be. So, so they're not underrated in that department. They're they're probably happy with their lot. They they know that this is where we we belong. Um, but they do an amazing job at what they do. The album packaging is beautiful, and they have, like I say, amazing lyrics, great stories, really, really high performance quality of the performance and the productions. Um, but on the other end, again, um, are they underrated uh, when it comes to deep music fans? No. Deep music fans, no Clutch. They love them to death. And the other thing about Clutch that's kind of interesting is they they almost do fit in that um, that Ramones Motorhead camp in that, you know, they, they can't, and King's X for that matter, who's the other, you know, poster child for this this discussion that's a little bit different i think they are actually that i been could have should have been huge um anyways um clutch is in that camp in that they can roll through any big city and get a pretty big crowd out you know they'll they'll sell out that that uh a thousand person venue that 1200 that you know 2500 with a strong underbill or whatever um just like a motorhead or ramones did in the old days before they all died and all that stuff um so so um 
I, I think they're a band that that are a pretty big cult band. They have a pretty big following. Um, they're they're probably doing fine. Um, you know, in terms of uh, you know what kind of incomes they're bringing in. Uh, you know, well, for, forget COVID time, but I mean, otherwise, um, I think they have a large enough following that that has grown with the band because they they recognize that this is a band of quality and they put in a lot of work. So again, um, Clutch is brought up all the time. Oh, they're so underrated. I don't think they're underrated at all. They've hit their commercial ceiling, um, and um, and they're hugely highly respected. They're rated super highly uh, in terms of all the kind of music fan people that I talk to and interact with all the all the time. All all the all the deep uh, you know the gearheads and the audiophiles and the music heads and all that. They all love Clutch, right? And they all love XTC and they all love Max Webster. They all love Blue Oyster Cult and they all love Budgie. So there you go. Um, so uh, you know, two two other ones uh, I hear sometimes um, just just to go through a little, uh, the other contours here. Um, yeah. So King's X obviously, uh, is an interesting one where I think they should have been bigger because I think a lot of those songs could have been smashed singles. Uh, the, the example I brought up in this con- contrarians Patreon show that we did, uh, which is an awesome show, man. These guys were all so smart and, and brought great examples. My example was golden earring there. Um, I, I thought they, um, they could have been bigger, but then I also, I did the, I did the pullback on it saying, look, they're, they're Dutch. Uh, they didn't move to LA and all this kind of thing. And they, you know, they weren't the most, I mean, they're pretty good looking guys, I suppose in that, but they are, are also kind of quirky, uh, with their lyrics. They could be a little dark. Uh, they had a little bit of success, but not very much with radar love and then twilight zone. Um, so I think there, there was a little bit of a ceiling there, but the big thing about golden earring that I said in this episode, and I totally uh, uh, believe this, they've got a handful of songs there that could have been smash hits, but it's more like. They should have, again, uh, been songs that maybe are covered by bigger, more mainstream artists, and they could have had a massive, like, Weekend Love and Long Blonde Animal. Oh, man, When the Lady Smiles, what an incredible, incredible song that is. Something Heavy Going Down. Um, so they had a lot of songs that I thought could have been smash hits, but probably not in their hands, which is which is an odd one. Two other ones I hear all the time are Thin Lizzy and UFO. Uh, I'm just going to leave them out of here because uh, I think they both had quite a bit of success, you know, not the huge, huge success, but quite a bit of success. And they're and they're absolutely beloved by deep music fans and even casual music fans kind of know who they are. So I don't think either of those are underrated uh, at all as well. All right. Uh, There you go. Hope you enjoyed the show. Maybe we can work out some way to do an overrated show. We'll we'll see about that. Um, If you like this show and want to support future episodes. Episodes, um, you can go to Kofi rhymes with no fee uh, dot com uh, slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint. Uh, and this week on that front, very generous uh, uh, donations to the cause last week. Uh, but granted, um, you know, you were all very nicely celebrating the hundredth episode. Uh, we've got Joe Beck, Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, Kevin Donaldson, Tim Derling, David Fisher, Jeremy French, Michael Gendelman, Tony. Kennedy, very generous Tony, thank you very much. Matthew Kuiper, Kevin Latham, Jason Leonard, and Augustin Garcia de Paredes. Thank you all very much. Appreciate the support. You can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. Uh, it's been pretty quiet on that front. I'm kind of in writing mode. I can't tell you what I'm writing, but I'm writing three awesome, cool, very varied, um, different kinds of books that you probably wouldn't expect from me. Um, so those three are coming soon. Well, not, not soon, I guess probably next year. Um, 
but yeah, a lot of writing mode, but I do have the suite. I've got the flaming telepaths. I'm still doing the Prince thing. And as you've noticed, you might've on, on the sly quietly. I'm also, um, kind of doing signed, uh, in gold pen numbered prints of, uh, of these ads I've been drawing as well. Um, but I've also got all those prints from the flaming telepaths book. We've got all the rush books still available in hardcover. Anthem is now in soft cover as well. Martinpopoff.com. Go play some of these not underrated bands. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.